Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll get picks from Chuck Todd, who's been very good this year, and Reginald the Monkey, who's been very bad. And we will talk about cows and ice cream with Buster Olney and maybe a little baseball. But first, let's keep the sales weasels happy. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So we have a snack bar that is in between the 7th and 8th hole. I got very I'm putting out on 7. And they're eating. And I see you clapping at the group ahead of us right, as if let's you're go, clapping let's go at a dog. Let's go faster. <laughs> I said to my friend Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones, let's go faster. And he looked at me and said, it's not me, it's them. There's two other guys who may have been guests. I don't know who no. they were. After that, we didn't see them again. They were going so fast, we never saw them. So it worked. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones, by the way, texted me as soon as that came out. And people said, you need to listen to this. And he said, you know, there was one of the guys is a new player. He hadn't played much, but he'd gotten very good in a short amount of time. And he just was really slow. And so he actually thanked me. He said that we were able to move quicker. Because a four should never catch a three. It should not happen. Right, Michael? You're like a marshal now driving around in your own personal (laughs) golf cart. Anyway, that's what happened. Speaking of golf. So um, I got up yesterday. I got up early, walked the dog early. Because I eagerly anticipated going to play golf Tuesday morning. Seeing how many holes I could get in. I usually can get in about 14 or 15 before I have to leave to take the PTI call with with Kelleher. And I, you know, and I get up and it's chilly yesterday morning, but it's not, there's no wind. So I'm, I'm wearing what I normally wear in cold weather. It's totally fine. I leave my house at about 7.30 because tee off time is eight. We have a, we have a time at eight. Four guys, guys I like very much. I like Steve Hintisher. I like Robin Buffalo. I like Al Serafino. We play, we're all the same age. We play in what is called the Legends Group. Everybody really old who's been there a while is called a legend. Good, good. Yeah, good, good. Like, especially with Hintisher. Pick that up. It's eight feet. That's ah, good. It's good. I could make that. Okay. <laughs> I've, seen you, I've seen you make that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. I really enjoy their company. I really enjoy their company. Like playing with them very much. Like them. And I get there about. 10 to 8, and I said, oh, as I'm going to my car, because Al had emailed all of us who were going to play, there's, you know, the possibility, this was last week he emailed, the possibility of a frost delay. Frost delay hurts me. It hurts me. It limits my holes. It limits, actually, my ability to play at all. Okay. So I, I reach to the windshield of my car. And it's wet. It's not icy. It's not granular. It's simply wet. You didn't have to use the defroster when you got it. Not at all. Do. I just assume this is do. I drive over to Columbia. I park my car. I start walking down. I don't see anything odd, you know. And it's too early for anybody to be walking in front of me on the first hole. It's too early because it's not yet eight. And eight is when the first group goes. But I get there, and a lot of people are just standing. Mm. And I look at the tee boxes, and then I glance at the 18th green, and then look down on the 15th green, both of which I can see from the spot where I walk in. 
and I see that there is what appears to me to be condensation on these areas, not frost. I just figure it's water. But then I'm told right away there's a frost delay. Okay, this is 10 to 8. Now I begin to then do the math in my head. How many holes can I play given when we start? When do you think we're going to start? And they said, well, I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Could be 8.30, could be 8.45, could be 9, could be 9.15. And melts when it melts. So then I learned something from Serafino that I didn't know before. And he told me, because I said, you know, at my house, there's no wind at all. There's no frost at all. It's not that far away. We're not in a different time zone here. And he said the, the contributing factors to frost are in fact no clouds and no wind. Hmm. And then the frost sort of, the way he described it, I thought the frost would descend, but he made it seem like the frost comes up from the ground. I, I didn't really understand it. I'm not a scientist. So you've, you've experienced the phenomenon where you're walking through a golf course early in the morning and you go through the dips and the hollows and all of a sudden it feels like the temperatures drop 10 degrees. Yes, yes. Yes, and, and the exposure of a golf course, it's, just, it, it's totally exposed to the elements, usually makes it <clears throat> skew colder, you know, in a, in a cold environment. So there was this frost, there's no question. And the, and the people who worked at the club had to blow the frost away with those, you know, the things that you carry on your back, the backpack of... Oh, right. Leaf blowers? Yeah. Leaf blowers. They, so they blew the condensation away. So we didn't get out... We didn't get out till about 9.15, so I only played eight holes. <clears throat> and I was, you know, it's probably... It's next... nice that you ended at the farthest point from the clubhouse. Yeah, eight holes. And then, and then I had to go in order to make everything work. I had to go at eight. And um, I was happy to play. No pars. I had no pars in eight holes. So just you know, all, all birdies? No birdies. No, no birdies. No. Um, so when you shake hands and start driving, I mean, it's a good... Five, seven minute drive back to the clubhouse. So the just, cart. Are you muttering to yourself as you go through all these holes? No, I mean, I look at it. It was. It turned out to be such a beautiful morning. It turned out to be in the mid 50s. This entire, entire week looks stunning. Just yeah. lovely. Yeah. And so, and next week is the last, the last Tuesday I can play in the morning is next week because after that. You say this every week. After No, no, no because after November 1st, the tea time, the first tea time shifts to nine o'clock. So I can't oh, do it. Put you out of play, yeah. And next week, next Tuesday, is, is the beginning of the cold weather. I've looked ahead on this. It's the beginning of the cold weather, so it's likely to have another frost delay. Uh, you know, I, w- I was so happy to play the eight. I was happy to play the eight. So anyway. And then, um, you know, I anticipated all day. I anticipated the baseball. I, I said this to Michael this morning when he came over. I am so surprised at the way the baseball turned out. Not just last night. Both all of it. All of it. The entire playoffs. We lost Baltimore, the <clears throat> Dodgers, and Atlanta early. They had the most wins in baseball. We now have two teams in the World Series. Arizona won 84 games. They might have had the lowest amount of wins. What did Miami win? How many games did Miami win? They might have had the lowest amount of wins in the entire playoffs, Arizona, or tied, or maybe Miami only won 83. I don't know. And we have Texas, a team that... 84-78. Both teams? No, my, Marlins won 84. Okay, so it's the same amount, right? The Diamondbacks had 84 wins? Yep, yeah. So they had the least amount of wins of any playoff team, the least amount. 
and they're playing Texas, a team that I never thought would beat Houston because Houston beat them like a drum all year, including the last weekend when Houston took over and got into first place by beating Texas out, in Texas. Outside of this season, it's how, how recently were they 100-loss teams? Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's what we have. And it's so surprising to me. We're going to have Buster only on. We're going to ask him about this. But I wonder. I mean, baseball is looking at, to me, a very low-rated World Series. Because, first of all, you can't name three people on Arizona. Nobody can. You can name Corbin Carroll. Carroll. The Rookie of the Year. Nobody can name anybody else if they can name him. Can't name anybody. No. No, you can't. Randy Johnson. And Yeah. And then um, <laughs> Texas, you know, and they're also, neither team is affiliated with a city, even though they should be. They're not. They're statewide names. Texas, okay, they've got a couple of people you've heard of. Corey Seager was a great player. Max Scherzer just got there. Marcus Simeon, uh, Nathan Avaldi. You've heard of them from other teams. But you have to sort of strain to picture them in a Texas uniform. You have to do that. So I just don't think there's any draw. I don't, for baseball fans, sure, I'm going to watch. I don't think there's any draw for regular casual fans. Yeah, but in some ways you're getting the World Series that you deserve after seeing what happened with the wild card with the divisional series that baseball would say everything was righted because you had two really compelling uh you know seven game series in, yeah. in both the american and the national league so uh, again, this, this feels like a world series for baseball fans and it comes back to the rule changes you look simply what happened with the increased size of the base still and bases. with the disengagement rule and, and how much Stolen bases came into yeah. play. I mean, you even look at how stolen bases quieted down Citizens Bank Park over game six and seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corbin Carroll stole a couple last night, yeah. I think, and he hadn't stolen before. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. What did you think of the big three for Philly? They didn't do much. Schwarber and Turner and game Harper. six and seven, one for 20. Yeah. Oof. Was that what it is? Yeah. Wow. Schwarber, I'm going to write that Harper. down. One for 20? Yeah. Uh, Schwarber got a double last night. Yeah, that's right. Hard double, yeah. Yeah. I have said this a number of times that I find myself rooting for those guys because they didn't, they gave me great pleasure when they played in Washington. Great pleasure. But there's a mean part of me that's happy they're not in the World Series. <laughs> I mean, there is. Sure. I have to concede I'm getting in touch with that mean part of me. That's a failure. One for 20 is a, is a distinct failure for those three. Well, well, you look at the recipe for success for a feast or famine offense is those guys get, get on get on base early, and then you know the other guys, Turner and Harper, will knock you in, and there's always the threat of Schorber. Philadelphia was 6-0 and at home yeah. going into game six and seven. Let's both I mean, home. you know how Wilbon says he's never surprised. Okay, I am. <laughs> I'm really surprised that that happened. Really surprised. Well, particularly once you know you have Suarez who settles down, is able to give you some length, and then you just think with the bullpen strength that they have, and you're the Diamondbacks are putting rookies out there. Yeah, I just I was astonished. They lost both those games at home. You know, after they won the last one, I was like, oh, this is series over. Yes. Just like I thought with with Houston. Yes, when Altuve over. hit that home run, I was it's like, over. yeah, they're just going to steamroll them in Texas. It's, it's been over. a nice story for them. Yeah, just stunned the way it'll, and especially that last game with Houston where they just got crushed. I, just, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you get to a position where the teams that are in the World Series have, in the case in the American League, I believe that 
That's the low, I believe Texas had the lowest amount of wins in the playoff structure in the American League. And we just confirmed that although it was not just Arizona, they were tied with Miami, that's the lowest amount of wins of any team in the playoffs, 84. Toronto had fewer, they had 89. Okay, and Texas had 90. Yeah. Yeah, But these are wild card teams in the playoffs. I don't know, we have to ask Buster. Is that what baseball wants? We'll take a break, and in fact, we'll bring in Buster Olney. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is our friend Brandon Costello from Lexington, Kentucky. This is his first full-length record from 20 years ago, October Music. We are in October, of course, the end of October. He released the album this year with the appropriate amount of fanfare, as he says, quietly and late at night. And this is called Copper Kettle. Oh, the, no? sorry, this is Union. I oh, this is Union? Up. Okay, yes. you gave me the wrong thing. Gave you the wrong thing. All right, Thanks. plays in um, Buster Olney who awakened this morning in Bozeman, Montana, to an inch of snow on the ground, ending the golf season officially in Montana and driving Maury Povich out of Montana and to Florida where he can play golf. I, I, I need to... I, there's, there's really... You prepare questions for guests, and you prepare them the day before. But with the realization of what happened in Houston and what happened in Philadelphia... There's really, the, the question's right themselves. How surprised are you by this, and which team actually surprises you more? Oh, Tony, I, I, through the time that you and I have covered sports, uh, you know, every uh, time a championship trophy is bestowed, you always hear the players, you hear the coach say, no one believed in us, no one outside of this room thought we had a chance, Okay. This is the first time in history where it's actually true in the case of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nobody, nobody thought they had a chance against the Phillies, including me, because you knew that the Phillies have a much better roster. They had that huge home field advantage that always played for them. They had their veteran starting pitchers lined up. Yes. There was no chance they were going to beat the Philadelphia Phillies, and yet here we are with the Diamondbacks in the World Series. That's amazing. Raiders are less of a surprise. You know, because they got veteran guys and, and a Hall of Fame manager and Bruce Bochy, the Diamondbacks are the absolute shocker. I, that I agree with that a hundred percent. But I would tell you that Texas, while it's less of a surprise, is still a surprise because Houston beat their brains out 
all season long. And, and you know, and you, you can't, it's so hard to believe that Houston loses every game at home. How can the owner of that club not reconfigure the ballpark and tailor it to his team? I just, unbelievable. They were, what were they, 40 and 47? They're the world champions, 40 and 47 at home this year. It's amazing. Yeah, they would have been the first team if they had reached the World Series to go to the World Series despite playing under 500 at home. Uh, look, I, you know, it was in their clubhouse uh, after they lost game seven. And there was a feeling among the players, you know, Alex Bregman, that they never hit on all cylinders this year. I think part of the reason why they struggled at home was, and I think I talked to you about this before, that they got bored with the regular season, and which happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the Yankee teams that I covered in the late 90s, that happened. 99, 2000, it got hard to push the rock back up the hill. They also had injuries early in the year to Jose Altuve, uh, you know, with some of their pitchers. Uh, others on the team, uh, you know, struggled during the course of the year. Kyle Tucker was terrible in the postseason. Um, so, uh, on one hand, it was a surprise that uh, the defending champions, you know, had opportunities to knock the Rangers out in Game Six and Seven, and it didn't get done. And on the other hand, you know, all year it just felt like they were a little bit off. Well, I mean, let me go to the Phillies for a second because the, the three players that I have great interest in on the Phillies, the top three in the lineup, Schwarber and Turner and Harper. I just found out in game six and seven, they were one for 20 at home. That stinks. That's that's deadly, right? Well, and didn't it feel like as that series progressed, uh, I mean, the beginning of it, uh, you know, idiots like me couldn't uh, imagine a way that the Diamondbacks could find a way, especially with so many young players, to succeed in the Phillies' home park. Well, that home field advantage turned on them <laughs> because, you know, the excitement level of the fans and the connection between the fans and the players, all of a sudden as the Diamondbacks began to turn that series, man, the pressure was squarely on the shoulders of the Phillies going into game six and seven. It felt like a mountain of pressure on those guys uh, where you could see them almost turning their, you know, bat handles into sawdust because they were just squeezing it so hard because they so desperately wanted to win, because they understood, like, oh, my God, this, this may not work out like we all expected it to, because we're the best team standing, and how are we losing? It drives me crazy, because Wilbon ends up with an Arizona team in the World Series. It drives me absolutely crazy. We have teams, okay, Arizona won the least amount of games of any playoff team tied with Miami, 84. Texas won almost the least in the American League. They won 90. Toronto apparently won 89. We're going to get a wild card winner. Um, We've had wild card winners before. We lost the 300 win teams early on and decisively. Is baseball okay with this or do you think they're going to sit and say, can't have this, cannot have it? Uh, I don't think there's going to be major changes. I think they kind of like the chaos. You know, which is uh, baseball's version of the NCAA tournament, where they like the 13 beating the four, the 15 beating the two. I would not be surprised if at some point in the future you do you do hear from them the idea of possible tweaks, which is reseeding at the end of each round. Right. So if you've got a six uh, on the board still and you've got the one, match up those teams uh, regardless of where the brackets are. And I know that would have a lot of people uh, – you know, who would be in favor of that. 
But Justin Verlander, you know, in the conversation with him after Game 7, he goes, look, it's just different. Baseball's different. It's such a long season. It's such a grind. And when you get to the postseason, you know, the injuries, uh, you know, guys kind of wearing down at the end of the year, you get a team, a player that's hot. Uh, it's different than it is in the NBA and the NFL. He said, you know, in those sports, more often than not, the talent in the end wins out. The best players wind up winning. In yes. baseball, he said it's a little different. Yeah. Max Scherzer lucks into a World Series. I mean, <laughs> I assume I assume that Bochy's going to keep throwing him out there, even though he's pitched a total of about three innings in two games and just gotten ripped. I assume that he's going to – I don't know that he'd start game one, but he's going to start a game or two, right? Yeah, Tony, and I don't – I think because he feels like – what choice does he have? Like their yeah. rotation completely frayed at the end – all kinds of injuries, uh, and I say this: you know, this is not just Bruce Bochy being sentimental. Not only does he have very few choices, but he also, as he demonstrated in Game Seven, uh, and this is part of why he's a Hall of Fame manager, he is unsentimental. Like he's watching what he's watching; it's not scripted out before the game for Boch. He's watching the pitcher, and he's like, "He doesn't have it. I'm going to go to Plan B." Yeah. And if that guy doesn't have it, I'm going to Plan C, and I'm going to Plan D. He's in a unique position because, in my mind, he's the best pitch or best manager ever at running a pitching staff. He demonstrated that with the Giants. Uh, and when he took that job, Chris Young, who was his former player, became general manager of the Rangers and hired him, told him, I'm going to let you manage. And so Bochy will manage by feel. Max Scherzer will get another opportunity, and Bochy will pull him if he doesn't have anything. It leads me to this other question. You're in an elimination game. This is the game you watched the game seven with Houston and Texas, you're in an elimination game. How can Dusty Baker leave Prince in the game for eight batters in the fourth? How do you do that? Yeah, I don't think he had a great game uh, as managing. There were questions, uh, for example, a couple of times when he could have pinch hit for Martin Maldonado, who is uh, you know one of the lowest batting averages in the history of baseball for a guy with more than 1,000 games. And you thought that, uh, you know, as they tried to claw their way back from an early deficit, that he would make changes there. There was a time when Dolis Garcia, who was just hitting a home run every plate, apparently, yes. by the end of that Why series. Why are you pitching to him? A hundred percent. Like, there were a lot of times when Dusty, it felt like, uh, you know, didn't necessarily make the right change, but shoot, they gave up 11 runs. No, I mean, I, I just felt he got yeah, outmanaged. I, I agree. Yeah, he got outmanaged. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm stunned. Well, there's a universal DH now, so the difference between the National League and the American League doesn't exist anymore. But Boshi spent his entire career in the National League, walks into the other league, walks into a team he cannot be familiar with, and walks into the World Series. That's sort of amazing. It really is, uh, and I think it's a part, you know, in part a tribute to, uh, to, you know, to Chris uh, signing the right guys. When you're around that team, there is such a degree of understated professionalism. Marcus Simeon, uh, Corey Seager, you know, the guys that they have their bench, Robbie Grossman. There's so many guys who have that same personality. I mean, you know, we saw during the course of the year how all these teams would adopt the, you know, the home run celebration, the, you know, the spike, yeah. the, uh, that, the homer host. The Rangers players are like, we're not doing that crap. we're just going to go out and play the games and i do feel like that once you get in the postseason what's great about boach uh is that he just has that innate 
uh, urgency in those moments. When I, you know, I was covering the Padres when he first became a manager back in 1994, and I asked Randy Smith, who hired him as the general manager at that time, what do you like about uh, Bochy as a manager? And he said he's not afraid. He, he, he gets along with everybody. He has great relationship with players. But in the game, he has such a, a feel of, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do to win, and I don't care if I'm going to offend the players. And the players get it, and they understand that his decisions are based on trying to win and not trying to uh, you know, make somebody feel better. I suspect the lowest ratings ever, or one of the lowest ratings ever, because there's no real big stars, there's no real big attraction, and I, I don't think casual fans will come in. What do you think? I, I agree with you. Look, uh, before the Diamondbacks' first playoff game against the Phillies, what we heard about the secondary ticket market, the prices were at $9, right? Wow. Uh, there wasn't wow. a huge demand. And, and, and you know, maybe in three or four years, it'll pay off for baseball in that uh, this will be the fall that uh, the casual fan gets to know a Corbin Carroll yeah. or a Zach Gallen. But uh, in this moment, yeah, this is probably not the, the matchup that Fox was looking for. No Dodgers. Uh, no Phillies, no Braves who have an underrated television following. We get the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, and I do think the ratings would probably be down because uh, casual fans don't know these yeah. teams. And again, I have to listen to Wilbon stick it to me time and time again. <laughs> but if you have to make a pick, you like one team over the other? They're both great uh, stories. They are great stories. They are great stories. And look, I, I, I haven't thought at any point, I didn't think the Diamondbacks were going to make the playoffs down the stretch. I certainly didn't think that they were going to get through Milwaukee. I thought they had no chance beating the Dodgers. I didn't think they'd win a game against the Phillies. So I, I guess I should just keep it going and just picking against the Diamondbacks because no one has believed in them ever. And that is 100% true. It's great to hear. Next time, coffee ice cream is what we're going to talk about. Thank you, Buster. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Buster only, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, Chuck Todd will join us, make some picks when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Kyle Tomini in Canton, Georgia. And he says, while on a walk this past week, I saw the leaves raining down across the street, and I knew that must mean fall is here. A few months ago, you were so gracious to play music from my daughter-in-law, Lydia McDavid. Here's our single, New England Turns to Fall, which beautifully reflects on one of my favorite times of the year. And then just to jab me, he goes, so grab a pumpkin spice latte and a slice of pumpkin pie and enjoy, which is funny. This is Lydia McDavid. We have played her stuff before. Yes, she's lovely. really good. It's just lovely. Just lovely. New England turns to fall. Michael, if people like Lydia McDavid want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornosershow.com and tonyk46 still active at johnnyo.com. I know Time uh, we, to buy. We have some uh, Rangers and some Diamondbacks fans jumping on that bandwagon. Two-day yeah. shipping. Get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the intro that I have to read. I don't mind reading this week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Chuck, had a, you had a bad week. You had your first losing week, I think, or maybe your second. Maybe a little, I, No, I think it's your first. You were 2-5, and 29-19-1, which is still ahead of everybody else. It's still ahead of Carville. We didn't have... Nobody won last week. No, Carvel was about, at five hundred. Nobody about won. All of the upsets. I mean, if you told me I went two and five on a week that somehow the Bears won, right? The Patriots won, right? The Broncos won. Who am I leaving out here? Um, of sort of like head scratching teams that won. I think I'm missing one other that was sort of out of out of nowhere. Um, 
It was one of those weeks. Oh, I guess. Oh, and the Vikings beating the Niners. On Monday. Yeah, yeah. which you wouldn't have figured. Um, no. So, so if I'm going to have a losing week, I'm glad it's sort of on a, well, how did all these teams lose? Well, you end, up, you end up losing. There's a, a pattern beginning to emerge. You lose on the Washington team all the yes. time. And you've, you've begun to lose the Thursday night game. I think you're 0-2 on Thursday right. night. So we have a Thursday night for you. We have a, a game tomorrow. Tampa Bay, which is going back to the ooze from which it tried to rise. <laughs> yeah, Tampa Bay is getting 8.5 right. at Buffalo. I know 8.5 is a lot, but if Buffalo doesn't pound them in this game, Buffalo's season is essentially over. They won't believe in themselves. I, me, I would take Buffalo, and even though I would give it, it's a lot of points. What are you going to do? That's a lot of points, eight yes. and a half. Yes. I, I understand all your thinking. I understand all of that. I just I can't bring myself to assume they – I don't – I think this Buffalo injury business on defense is real and mm-hmm. a problem. So I don't know. I don't know if they can – you know, they're going to have to outscore people. So I, eight, eight and a half feels like a lot. I know Mayfield's been a little bit hurt, but um, – you know they can move. I, I, I'm. You take Tampa. I, I'm. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. We're going to find out if uh, if if I should be listening to you more. Well, you should be listening to me more, but we'll see. <laughs> Los know, Angeles you're my, Rams. You're on my iPod, iPad, or you know iPod. Listen to me. I'm an old guy now. Los, um, isn't that enough? But anyway, go ahead. The Los Angeles Rams are getting six and a half at Dallas. Los Angeles Rams got hosed by their own kicker last week, who cost them seven points in a seven-point game, so they cut him. The other day, they are at Dallas. I, I assume Dallas must have had the week off, right? I mean, did Dallas have the week yeah. off? Coming out of a bye, uh, I know you tend to like the better coach, and the better coach is McVay, but mm-hmm. coming out of a bye at home, it, it feels to me, you know, the same way I feel about Buffalo. This is sort of a statement game. And the Rams, six and a half's a lot. It is, but I would go with Dallas. Where are you going? The problem I have with, with – I mean, yes, I think it's too many points. Is but the Rams are a team I can't figure. I'll be honest. Right. I thought they were 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 going to be done by now. I just assumed assumed that. And you've got to give McVay credit. I mean, he seems yep. to have. And Stafford is as long as he's healthy, they're a borderline playoff team. With with McVay, you can feel it. I six and a half a lot. Um, give me the Rams. Okay. I, I, I don't I don't trust the Cowboys. Okay. That's too many points. Okay. This is one of the worst games on paper in the history of the NFL. The New York Jets at the New York Giants. At least they don't have to go anywhere special for this game. The Jets, I guess, I can't even call them a road favorite. It's not really the road. It's their place, too, although the Giants are the primary tenant. The New York Jets are giving three to the Giants. Don't let the Washington game fool you. The Giants don't score. They, mm-hmm. they don't. They don't. They're no good. No, they don't. They're no good. Them, Linda Ronstadt, and them, <laughs> no good. Who you like in this game? You think this? You think they com- combine for more than twenty points? <clears throat> the one thing I said last week before the games went off was if I had to make one bet all week, it would be the under on Washington and the Giants, and I yeah. would have cleared that bar easily. So yeah, this feels the same way, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, there's, you know, this thing's probably in the mid-30s because they won't. It never goes lower than, like, 35 in the NFL. They'll never, unless unless there's, like, you know, a hurricane coming or something like that. So I, I, I that feels like the better bet here. I'm going to take the underdog only because 
I don't trust either team, so why would you take the favorite? So you'll right? take the why Giants. Lay, why lay points with, with either one of these teams? You'll so take the Giants at home yeah. against the Jets at home. Well, again, <laughs> is it out? Yeah. What? They're all both home. Is it all right. home? Yeah. Jacksonville is at Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh's very good. I think they have a very good coach, but uh, they continue to win games. Are they four and two? Yeah, they surprise me. They continue to win How games. The heck, are they four and two? I think Jacksonville has won four in a row. I think they've won four I think in you're a row. Right on that, yeah. Jacksonville is a road favorite in Pittsburgh, minus two and a half. That's a, that's a convenient number, two and a half. Um, who you like in this one? Boy, they're begging you. You know, two and a half. They're begging you to take Jacksonville. Yes, they are. Um. Steelers are another team that I, as much as I'm a Tomlin, uh, I bow at the altar of Tomlin. Um, I, I, it's you just see Kenny Pickett there, and you're just like, how, how are they doing this? Yeah, um, he's not that good, not yet. There's a lot I, of guys I, out there <clears throat> who are not that good. Desmond yeah. Ritter is not that good. Jordan Love is not that good. Yeah. Kenny Pickett is not that. You know, these are. People, these are first-round picks. You, They're not that good. You watch a lot of college. You watch a lot of college football, right? I do. Yeah. There's a lot of good quarterback play in college. Yeah. So you, I don't understand why the quarterback play is so anemic right now in the NFL. Well, the, the theory that I would give you is that the defensive play in the pros is so much stronger, more powerful, and quicker mm-hmm. that these quarterbacks, they don't see that in college. They don't see it. Yeah. I'm taking the better team, Jacksonville. I, I have a feeling that, you know, that's one of those where I'm guessing all the pro money's on Pittsburgh, um, the way that line is, but I'm, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Cleveland is at Seattle. I think Seattle lost last week. Seattle had been winning games, and they lost last week. Cleveland won. That was the Indianapolis game where Indianapolis got hosed yeah. on really terrible defensive calls. Cleveland is getting three, going to Seattle. Cleveland is not. They have a, a fine defense, I guess, but, you know, they didn't really have a fine defense. Indianapolis put up over 30, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I mean, I don't like Cleveland. I, I don't like, I don't no, like no. what they you, did you with Deshaun want, Watson. You want to find reasons yeah. to, 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 to think Cleveland will lose. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that Deshaun Watson, how's that working out yeah. for you? Yeah, so. You know, it's, uh, uh, that, that served to be an anvil on that team. Give me, give me Seattle at home. Okay. I'm with you there. Yeah. Here's one that could be a great game. And if Cincinnati wins this game, it's great for Cincinnati. They stay within arm's length of Baltimore. And it's really not great for San Francisco. It would be three in a row. I walked into this season thinking San Francisco was the best team in the NFL. Three in a row would cause me not to think that. Cincinnati's won a couple of games recently. Burrow looks healthy. Cincinnati plus five and a half at San Francisco. Tough game to pick. Wow. What do you make of Purdy? He seems uh, mortal last two games. Yeah. Two touchdown passes, three interceptions. You know, so you know what what I would say about Purdy is let's let's hold off on the comparisons to Tom Brady. Let's hold off. Look, I give him credit. He let him down. They had the winning field goal for Cleveland. That's right. And and so that's not on him. That game. The Vikings tried to hand that game to San Francisco multiple times in the second half, and Purdy never took it um, with those with those picks. Five and a half is a lot. 
Uh, give me Burrow. Okay. You and James. Give me Burrow. Burrow. Give me your Burrow. Burrow. All right. Give me Burrow. That's four road teams, and you're going to take a fifth one right here. Here we go. Here we go. This is Philadelphia. Does the road matter? Hmm? Did you see the, the, the greatest home field advantage we thought we saw all year? The Philadelphia Phillies. Didn't work. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And I mentioned that yesterday on PTI. I said, I think the Phillies fans lift them up more than any team is lifted up by a home crowd in the entire sport, and they didn't win. They lost two in a row at home. I'm, I thought I'm so Bones surprised. I thought that home run. I yeah, in the second Bones inning. That home run. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're never sitting down. I That's agree. It. I agree. Yeah. I was, I'm really, I'm really surprised at the baseball playoffs <laughs> all the way too. up and down the line. I am. So the uh, Eagles come to Washington and they'll have the crowd because the tickets went on sale before <laughs> the team was sold. So everybody, everybody in the stands will be wearing green. They're minus six and a half against Washington, which looked just awful, god awful last week. You keep picking Washington and you keep losing. I want to see what you do this week. Six and a half. Well, division game. You just talked about Philadelphia, and those fans don't have any baseball to watch anymore. So they might be a little boozier, <laughs> a little angrier, a little noisier. Um, boy, normally these division games, I like to take the dog, but yeah. I, I, I have no trust in Washington. You're right. I'm, I'm, I've given up. Um, I'm going with the Eagles. See, here, here's, there, there's a story in the Post yesterday or today about Sam Howell, and because you want to like Sam Howell like you want him to like Taylor Heineke. You want to like him. Yeah. He's out there. He's a tough kid. He gets hit a lot. He gets up. His statistics are terrible, right? They're terrible. Yeah, he, he's Patrick know, Corbin. You know, he's, you know, he's just not, you know. Right? He's Patrick Corbin. Yeah. Gets up. Without, yeah. without yeah. the World Series yeah. ring. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, without that. Yeah, so he, they, they haven't been good. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Good luck. Get a reversal All on right. the two and five. Chuck Todd, boys and girls, if we gave you just Chuck Todd, we would give you enough. More than enough, actually. But we don't. We give you a monkey. See the monkey. Everybody sing along when we get to the court. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Everything rhymes. It's easy for you. Tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo. Zoo, zoo, Reginald's got the vice five, two. Sometimes he throws his poo, poo, poo. He's had too much Johnny Walker blue. So he had another bad week. He had his customary one and two. He's six and 15. Yeah. That's even bad for a monkey. It is. And we give him a lot of slack. That's bad for a monkey, <laughs> six and 15. He's been consistently awful yeah. this year. Yeah, it's yes. too bad. So, but you know, it's another week. Fresh start, fresh, uh, fresh yep. slate for him. Yep. So I went down to the National Zoo, was uh, very excited, a lot of commotion. He was performing with his celebrity band, Monkey Business. Right. Of course, John. Too much. Too monkey much monkey business. business. John Hamm on guitar, Ellen Barkin on vocals, and Danny DeVito there on drums. Go. Of course, Reginald on bass. Everybody knows that. There you go. Uh, and if you're wondering what this band was playing for, it's a charity event. This is a, very, a charity very near and dear to uh, Reginald's heart. It's re- helping monkeys relocate to Monaco. Oh, it's yeah. a very worthy cause. Yes, very. Yes. So yeah. they are uh, Monaco, always a longtime favorite of the Simians. <laughs> right. always, always, always historically true. Um, so I, I caught them right at a set break, and I, I went over these matches with them. The first one we gave him was uh, the one tomorrow night, Tampa uh, getting eight and a half at the Bills, and he showed me a nice photograph of him playing hockey on a frozen pond with Marv Levy, Alexander McGilney, and Steve Tasker. That tells me he's likes the Bills. I would too. I know that Chuck 
thinks eight and a half is a lot. I like the Bills, too. Yeah. I like the Bills by 20. That's me. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, now, the next one we gave him was the, the match that you said was just despicably Dread. bad. <laughs> the Jets uh, giving three at the Giants. And this is a nice uh, photograph in the paper of him eating it. PJ Clarks with Weeb Eubank, Joe Klecko, and Kenny O'Brien. That tells me he likes the Jets in that one. Now, you could also eat it, PJ Clarks, with Frank Gifford <laughs> and Bill Parcells and Fran Tarkin. Yes. Now, you could do yeah. that. Yes. They ate there, too. Yes. In fact, they might have been another table yeah. down. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But that right. tells me he likes the Jets. And, of course, the last one we What's gave him. What's the big one? What's he got on the big one? On the Philly giving six and a half at Washington. Yeah. Keep in mind, he has gotten this match wrong every, every week. single week. Every week. Showed me a picture of him uh, riding in the Paris to Dakar rally. Uh, his driving mates were Eric Lindros, uh, Gary Maddox, and Chuck Bednarik. So this is Philly. some time ago. He is going with Philly on that. So if you're wise, you will take Washington. All right. This week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. And we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. That's Binghamton's own Chris Ullman, a national championship whistler. He's got a new book out. Oh, he does? Yeah, Chris Ullman, U-L-L-M-A-N. Go look at it, see if you like it. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com. For the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled. It's going to do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say another fellow told me he had a sister who looked just fine. Instead of being my deliverance, she had a strange resemblance to a cat named Frankenstein. <laughs> that's Sam Cooke with a song called Another Saturday Night. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's a great line, a cat named Frankenstein. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Buster Only. Thanks to our sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple. Please leave us a review. From Joe Rizzo in Oak Hill, Virginia, yet again, the Toy Hall of Fame misses the boat. Overlooking these classics, the rubber band. Wrap around your forefinger, pull back, and aim. A simple formula to instantly instill fear in your target, especially your younger siblings. The egg, a seasonal toy used to decorate city buses around Halloween. The Rock. Granted, it was a bit destructive, but it had many uses. And if you're going to go down the football as a toy route, then you have to include the roll of electrical tape used as a hockey puck. Oh. And, of course, the ubiquitous Spalding pink ball, which I assume is in. The Spalding ball isn't in? That's not in? I'm not really? sure. Really? Yes. From Tom in Waco, did you know the inventor of Nerf football is Fred Cox? Yes, that Fred Cox, kicker of the Vikings. A kicker, chiropractor, and inventor. What a guy. He gets a quarterly check from Hasbro to this day. Good for him. Yeah, well done. It's like a Peter Melman situation, <laughs> getting those residual checks. From the Reverend Heath Williams in Little Rock, Arkansas, my 12-year-old daughter, who finds everything about the show annoying except Reginald's jingle, emphatically stated that it's always been about Barbie. She can go in, and Ken can stand on the side. <laughs> so there you have it. Ken isn't getting my 12-year-old's vote for the Toy Hall of Fame. Wow. That's very good. Definitive. From Bob Boxwell in Lusby, Maryland. Thanks for the Toy Hall of Fame discussion, a walk through my childhood. I had a corn popper. The noise was the whole point of the toy. Your response to my little pony reaction was on the mark. I actually did laugh out loud. 1877 Cars for Kids inspires thoughts of homicide for me. <laughs> Donate your car today. From Tim Gombas in Louisville, Kentucky. Are you serious with this? 
Once sand is inducted, aren't we already a full hemisphere into bizarro world? Uh, Ken Sands. Ken should join Sand in the Toy Hall of Fame. Sincerely, Ken Sands, Farcells, DC. I'm exactly one month older than Barbie. I've lived with Barbie jokes my entire life. I hate Barbie. <laughs> From Lyle in Nashville, Brandy, one of the worst songs ever recorded. You betcha. Now let's round out that 70s pop Mount Rushmore of truly horrible tunes. Billy, Don't Be a Hero. Yeah, that stinks. <laughs> Bo Donaldson in the Haywoods. Hooked on a feeling by Blue Swede. It was much better by B.J. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's I'd an remember. odd and terrible song yeah. by Blue Sweet. And The Streak by Ray Stevens. I like Ray Stevens, but The Streak was terrible. We might need a fifth head for watching Scotty Grow by Bobby Colts for another <laughs> bad song. From Ken Vastola, the official retired professor of electrical computer and systems engineering. The connective tissue of the Tony Kornheiser show. I was at the same concert as Sandy from Hewlett, Looking Glass, The Kinks, and the Beach Boys at Trenton Speedway, August 19th, 1972. I agree with Sandy. Brandy is a sweet and fun song. Moreover, the band Looking Glass was formed at Rutgers just before I started college there. It was the sound of our youth. I still smile when it comes on the radio. From Terry Tahara in Bremen, Indiana, I can't begin to, to describe how surprised and thrilled I was to hear Miss Bonoff on the pod last week. I had the good fortune to hear her open for Jackson Brown over 40 years ago. When I was in college, I counted it as a David Aldridge moment. Mr. Granberry is right. She's one of our relatively unknown treasures. Thank you for playing our songs. Can't wait to hear when you get permission from Joni Mitchell. Can't imagine Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Joni, you're hey, on Tony, why don't you, why don't you play my song? <laughs> Send us some songs, Joni. From Eric Robbins in Silver Spring, Maryland. I thought I'd never get that Mizzou marching band jingle out of my head. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Until you reference the 1877 <laughs> Cars for Kids commercial. Thanks for nothing. I dared Dan Byrne to come up with a version of that for your jingle. It is awful. It truly is. You want to throw things at the television set. <laughs> From Brian O'Connor in Annapolis. I recently discovered my supervisor over at Porsche of Annapolis was a little. Don't think I didn't humbly brag that I've had three emails read since 2015. Yesterday, as I, as I was meticulously putting away parts, my supervisor yelled as a vendor walked into his office, Hey, Brian, we got a fellow little in here. I replied, Does he know about Louise's passing? And the vendor said, Yes, I heard. I walked over and we chatted about my meeting Mr. Tony at Jingle Fest and the parts manager and the vendor's trip to Chatter, where they met Mr. Tony as well. The Littles are such a great community to be part of. Keep up the good work. Well, I'll try. From Daniel in Kansas City, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage was planning a trip to New York for work. She asked her brother who lives there where he and his fiance wanted to have dinner. They suggested a place called, wait for it, Carbone, but said it would be tough to get a reservation. I said, hey, I know that restaurant. I'm acutely aware of how difficult it can be to get a reservation. I did not think it would be productive to describe in further detail how I knew this. Anyway, she somehow managed to get a reservation for 5.15 on a Tuesday, but after letting my brother know the rum-dum said he's actually going to be out of town that week, my wife said she was going to cancel the reservation. I said, absolutely not, and I booked a flight for myself immediately. So last night, on a random Tuesday at 5.15, I found myself in New York City for literally no reason other than to eat at a place I'd heard about on this stupid podcast. It was, however, incredibly worth it. The spicy rigatoni was borderline life-altering, so I write with great thanks for your years of information and pasta for life and there's a picture of them right outside Carbon. this is so wonderful isn't that one that's holding amazing holding up the menu this is so great I couldn't get in <laughs> I, I tried I couldn't get in from Paul Frampton from Lindsay Ontario Canada not Peter Frampton 
who I don't think is with us anymore. I will is check Peter on Frampton that. with us? I will check on that. On Tuesday's PTI, you and Wilbon discussed Trevor May's retirement during a Twitch stream. You opined that you did not know what Twitch was. Twitch is a website and app that is owned by Amazon. Everyday people like myself can use Twitch to broadcast ourselves. Like most users, I use Twitch to stream the video games I play. Which begs the question, can I be the official Twitch streamer of the Tony Kornheiser show? My username is Fram Brady. Here's the thing. I, I, and I, I love the fact that you listen and that you write, Paul. I love that. I'm not a big believer in just broadcasting your life to total strangers. I, I just, I don't really get it. I don't, I know, I know people do it because they can do it. But should they? I don't know if they should do it. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Uh, Peter Frampton, still with us, will be 74, is it 74? Okay. 74 next April. Okay. From Mary Roberts, Tony, I just had to let you know that libraries today are healthy and thriving. Which is good to know, because I wonder, does anybody go to them anymore? I go to them regularly. Okay. Thank you. Uh, shout out to the D.C. Public Libraries. I go. live in Ashburn, Virginia, and our local library offers a wide variety of free activities like book clubs, children's story time, etc. The events are always well attended, in fact, often crowded, and the library itself is always busy. It's a wonderful place. Also, I, too, think that Max Scherzer is a warrior god. He's going to get another chance. He He's going to start at least one in the oh, World sure. Series. He is my favorite player, followed by Adley Rutschman. Yes, I'm a diehard O's fan. It was heartbreaking to watch the Nats leave D.C. one by one after the series. I enjoy PTI. I've been watching it for 20 years now. My son got me hooked on it. I hope you keep doing it for a long time. I've done it for a long time. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have a long time left. I don't know. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. Cool that out. Means everybody just cool out. Would we you cool, cool out? out, everybody? Stop it, Mick.
Give me a call.